welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. It's two more days to Christmas. How exciting. I love presents. I love giving them. I love receiving them. I love food, especially seafood, which is part of the Aussie tradition for Christmas. I love gathering with family. I love coming to church and worshipping Jesus on Christmas Day. I love holidays. I love summer. Come on, it's this incredible package and it's all because of Jesus. You know, even the people don't really recognise or realise what's going on. It's like, well, this is how it started and we got these Christmas holidays and it's because of Jesus. And so we celebrate on top of everything, more than everything, his visit to earth, the life-changing deal that happened when, uh, you know, it's, the, you know the, um, the angel that announced to the shepherds that the Saviour, uh, the Messiah was born... He preceded it when he said, when he gave him this announcement, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. What an incredible statement for a baby to be born to bring, to, to be good news that will bring great joy to all people. Because obviously, you know, a baby born is going to bring great joy to mum and dad and immediate family. And, you know, and that's kind of it. Maybe, you know, not the whole world. Certainly not the neighbours when the baby comes home from the hospital and is crying, you know, maybe keeping everyone awake. But here, this baby was cause for joy, not just to Joseph and Mary, not just to immediate family, not just to the Jewish people in that vicinity or all the Jewish people in the whole nation of Israel, not just to the people in that generation, but to all people from all nations for all of human history. Great joy, great news, great joy, because... This baby was destined to be the saviour of the world. So he's going to make a way for us to be forgiven for sin, to become a child of God, to receive eternal life. And this eternal life starts the moment we believe in Jesus. It's not just more life. It's not just another life when we die. It's Zoe, the life of God in us as soon as we believe. And that's why the Bible says, you got that scripture there, Josh? You may know this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 is that up there? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone or passed away or died, and behold, the new has come. And so that's good news. That's very exciting. That is, that's, that's great because we've got a lot of old stuff that needs to die, needs to pass away, to be left behind in order that we can take a hold of the new life that Jesus has got for us. And that's the good news. You want to hear the bad news? Sadly, the bad news is that the old stuff, our old habits and thoughts and thought patterns and attitudes and behaviours, what the Bible calls our sinful nature, it has a weird way of coming back, of not wanting to be left behind so easily, of in one sense it's passed away and died, but in another sense it kind of (laughs) raises itself up from the dead and wants to take over our lives again. Because of the way we're made. We're a spirit, but we also have a soul. 
So deep inside us, we're born again. Holy Spirit comes. We're regenerated, recreated in Christ. And that's what that scripture talks about. And that happens as soon as we believe in Jesus. And that's great. But at the same time, we've got this soul that is uh, our mind and our heart, our thoughts and our emotions. And this part of it is not so easily or quickly or suddenly changed. And so, you know, we got to train it and get it to fit in with the calling that's on us. Um, and so we live with this tension between who God calls us to be and who we are today, between our identity in Christ and our current kind of lifestyle, between the potential that he sees in us and how actively we follow him in order to see that potential fulfilled. And so you can do a few things with this tension. So, all right, so you got this tension, you know, like, hey, I'm born again, it's exciting, but oh, I've got this sinful nature. And you read Paul talking about this in the book of Romans uh, in chapter 6 and 7. He's like, oh, I, the great Paul, the apostle, is still saying, oh, I do the things that I don't want to do and I'm struggling. I, you know, what's going on? Well, of course, you can, you can just say, oh, I'm just going to get my ticket to heaven and I'm going to basically be lazy, spiritually apathetic, and uh, pray for salvation, but then you're just going to stumble through life, not really uh, attending to this issue, just having a weak faith uh, that never takes you further into God's call. And so we'd say this is someone making a decision but not wanting to be a disciple. You don't want to do that. The second alternative is that you can try to be a better person because you think, right, I've got to be good, and you're doing it in your own strength. You're attempting to get your soul to match up to your spirit by working hard at self-improvement. But of course, that's self-righteousness and that's got very limited value and effect because, you know, you'll never by your own efforts get to where God calls us to be. So the third solution is what God wants us to do, uh, which is a life of faith and obedience, which is surrender, dying to self, and by faith, Stepping into the identity that he wants to give us, that he's called us to have. And the Bible calls this putting on the new self and taking off the old self. In fact, it says that a number of times. Look at these few verses. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, in verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, so here's our soul, our mind, being renewed. And it's called putting on the new self, leaving the old self or taking off the old self. And then there's another verse that says something similar in Romans 13. Uh, this one says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now he's writing to Christians, so he's not saying you must be born again. He's, this is a, a book he wrote to believers in Rome, in Italy, uh, back in the Roman Empire. Uh, and he's saying, put on Jesus. You've already been born again, but I want you to put him on. And then again in um, Ephesians 4, verse 21, he says, assuming that you've heard about him, Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed, there it is again, 
in the spirit of your minds, minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So can you see that last bit there? There's that calling for us. We're created to be like God. We've been told that we're made righteous in Christ. We're called to be holy. But how do we get there? We put on the new self and we are renewed in the spirit of our minds. Notice that none of these passages tells us straight out that we must get rid of bad attitudes and bad habits and just work on replacing them with good habits and good attitudes. Because we're given this word picture of putting off and, and putting on. And why is that? Because it's all about grace. Because God doesn't want us to try and do it on our own. It's like Christian life is not a self-improvement course, just working on your morality where you sign up to try and change yourself and fill in assignments. And, you know, that's legalism. That's not grace. That's man's way. That's not God's way. And sometimes the church has suffered because people have got a bunch of rules and regulations to try and tell everyone what they have to do to earn God's standard of righteousness. Or whatever. No, no. God's way is, is to combine our decision-making with his power so that we have faith in him and then the power of the Holy Spirit comes and works in us and grows within us and anoints us. And so we're putting on or we're stepping into who God calls us to be. And um, I just think it's worth considering, you know, this phrase, and this is really my message this morning is, is to put on the new self. I want you to think about that because, you know, the phrase in Greek, to put off and to put on, they're the same Greek words that we use to describe putting on clothes or taking off clothes. Now, I don't know, pregnant pause, I know you're going to wait for this next point now. Excuse me. I don't know if it's only a man thing, but there's something about comfortable old clothes. Men, come on. I just want to, I want to talk about T-shirts for a moment. Because we've all got that T-shirt <laughs> that we've finally broken in after years and years of hard wear. Hard work. The cotton is now soft. It's comfortable. It's got air conditioning. <laughs> Summer's coming. We've got holes in all the right places. And the kids hate it, which kind of adds a little bit of an angle. You know, it's appealing. Cause, and then we lean into the dad joke. Oh, dad, I say, hey, this is my holy T-shirt. You know, and it's like weak Christian dad joke that the kids groan about. And then that sort of makes it more attractive as well. And, and who cares about logos or colour? They've all been left many years ago, you know, and so, and we love it. It's comfy. It's so familiar. It may even have a name. It's not just a T-shirt. It's kind of, you know, Trev the T-shirt or something. And, 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 he's, and he's part of a gang. We've got a few in the drawer. There's Gary and Bob and they you know, just, we're just, we just love them, don't we? But, but. We come home one day, we're all getting on so well. It was all so nice. And it, or, or should I say he, has gone, them. the maid has cleaned them out. Now, I don't have a maid, but I can't say the wife or I'll be in trouble. But let's just say someone who shall remain, remain nameless has done. Has Done a cleaning out. Yeah? 
and and they've brought in the daughters, the fashionable daughters for support. And they all agree. And you come home and you are suffering. You are, you're, you're in shock. And it's worse because then they sit you down, not to comfort you, but for an intervention. <laughs> this is true. I know. See, I see some of these looks, some nods. The wives are nodding as if, yes, it's true. It should be done. And the guys are like, I've been there. I, can we do group counselling? You're touching a raw nerve here, Pastor. Okay, you got me. And so you're sitting there. You're struggling with grief, missing Trev. And, and all they can do is tell you that he was old and smelly and he had to go. And they don't even say he. It's terrible. And you're just sobbing there, Trevor. <laughs> and then to make things worse, for Christmas, what do they do? They give you a new T-shirt. I don't know this guy. Who is this? This is invading my world. It's like a foreign invasion. It's, it's presumptuous. It's bright and brushy and colourful. Oh, trendy shapes. They've all changed. Okay, they're short. They're long. They're tight. They're f- By the time you get a shirt comfortable, it, the, the sleeves are down here and out here and the style's gone many years ago. And then, you know, now they're all long. They're like dresses and you, and you, and you can't tuck them in. And the kids say, oh, Dad, come on, T-shirts. You don't tuck them in. It's not the 90s. But come on, you know, there's this whole challenge. Uh, you know what I'm saying, okay? You get the point. But, um, but then after you've calmed down, like February, you know, March, <laughs> you actually put the T-shirt on, the new one. And, uh, oh, and yes, you agree and you had to admit it, but it, it's better. You know, it doesn't smell. It, it doesn't have yellow stains under the armpits. It doesn't repel people when you go out to the shops, <laughs> you know. It's, and, uh, and so you agree, oh, right, yeah, you know. So you see my point. It's hard to get used to something new, um, but it really is better. And, and, uh, and you just have to adjust to it. You have to, you have to listen to the fashion-minded daughters who say, come on, this is the new look, get into it and all that. And in the same way, our old self and our old ways can be hard to let go, even if they are smelly and bad for us. So you might hold on to hurts. You might nurse a grievance, as they say. You might keep your self-image being dictated to by some past mistakes you made or, 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 or what others have said about you. And, and it's, th- th- these can be unhelpful attitudes. They can be damaging emotions. Thoughts that really are not doing you any good, but they're familiar. They're kind of attractive because you just got used to them. They're comfortable, so you're used to walking around with these mindsets, this way of living, this way you see your life or the way you see other people or the world around you. Meanwhile, Jesus has got some new clothes for you, and we've got to be able to take off the old and be willing to put on the godly attitudes that he wants to dress you with the character traits that will make you sweeter and stronger, the behaviours that will flow through you to bless other people and bring glory to God. And they're all designed for you, just like a nice, new, properly fitted, colourful T-shirt that's going to make you look better, make you feel better. Uh, And it's going to suit you because it's been designed by God for you. And all these things that God wants to do in us all this stuff about being renewed and leaving behind old behaviours, it's the work of God 
that he does in us. We don't do it ourselves. We just lean into him and say, all right, I'll, I'll put that on. Just like we're accepting to put on the new T-shirt or we're just going to go shopping with Jesus and he's offering to buy us new clothes and we just allow him to choose some new show, clothes for us. And so uh, this is all, as I said, by faith. You don't do it yourself to become a better person. You just lean in and say, yes, I'm agreeing with what God says about my life. I'm made in his image. I'm, I'm who the Bible says I am. I'm anointed. I'm blessed. I'm going to live as a child of God. I'm effective as a servant of God. I, I, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror, even if I don't deserve any of this. It's just, it's who God says I am. It's the identity that he wants me to have. And I've just got to take that on board. And, um, and as I said, it's just like, it's just like getting new clothes, and even, especially if you don't deserve it or you feel a little uncomfortable. Like many years ago, you know, we were missionaries in Russia, and on our way there, we visited a church in Dallas, Texas, because we had a, a sister relationship with our mother church, Pastor Phil Pringle's church in Sydney, going on. And so we went via Texas and visited this church, pastored by Mike and Vicki Hankins. And some of you may remember, Pastor Mike Hankins used to preach here sometimes when he was out in Australia. And, uh, and this was a big church, very busy, happening church. And, uh, and we were there just to speak at their youth camp. We were just little, little old, you know, 20-something-year-old missionaries. Um, but they honoured us. They looked after us. They had us sitting on the stage because it was a real traditional church. And, and, uh, and they had, you know, thousands of people out there and a dozen or so pastors on the stage sitting there. We didn't preach. In fact, Joyce Meyer, who was unknown, the first time we, we ever heard Joyce Meyer was 1992. People say, oh, you've got to hear this woman with an amazing testimony. She was the guest speaker one day. And there we were sitting on stage with all the others, you know, dressed up, suit and tie and, you know, just real... And, and, and I remember Christine's, Christine Pringle caused a stir because she wore a pantsuit. She didn't wear a dress or a skirt <gasps> in Texas, you know, in Dallas. So they're quite, you know, real traditional Pentecostals. And they didn't kick her out. They sort of let their hair down and went, "Woo, we can do it too, girls. You know, it was exciting. And uh, so they blessed us. They, oh, oh, they washed our feet, literally. Pastor Mike Hankins, six foot 50, great big Texan, and he'd say, we're going to wash the feet of these couple. We're going to send them to Russia. And, and all these great big tough, tough Texan men start crying. Oh, God bless them. They're going to Russia. We've been praying for them for years, you know. And they're all getting weepy. And he says, we're going to wash their feet. And I'm thinking figuratively, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. You know, like Jesus said, we're going to bless them on their way. Someone comes out with his gold laver of water and they're sitting down there in a towel and I'm panicking. Have I told, I've probably told this story. Oh, well, if you knew you. Okay, so, okay, so the day before I had played a five-set tennis match. I was really into tennis a lot. And I, and okay, the reason they had, I'd been into tennis a bit and the reason they heard that I liked tennis, they said, oh, you've got to play against this guy because he's just come to the Lord and we want to sort of connect him and, and he liked your preaching or something. It must have been at the youth camp or something. They said, come and play with this guy. Um, he used to be the, he was the Texas junior champion. I'm like, I'm not that good. Flip, you know. <laughs> My advantage was he had just come off cocaine addiction. Uh, so he was getting his life right and he was, he was just so skinny. I think at his best, his fighting weight would still be quite a slim build. But he was 
really weirded out by, you know, what he'd been going through. So, I, you know, we had this hilarious match because he was a much better player, but I'm kind of competitive, or I was back then. I, I cared, you know, and I was, you know, zippy and athletic and all that. So we played for five sets in the burning hot. This is in June, July, sort of middle of the year in Texas. And hard court, they didn't have synthetic grass. They don't have that in the States like we do. So it's, so it's hard court, like concrete. And so you can imagine my feet were really blistered. I went home that night and uh, I, I, I won. Uh, sorry, but... Um, uh, and, 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 and Kyle, he came out to Australia years later and the first thing, he was going to preach, he's on a preaching tour. He became an evangelist. He, he's a great preacher. But his first thing on his agenda was to beat me at tennis. And we played at Terrigal and I beat him again. I, I just... I think I played like an annoying game that just, he was a better player, really. I just, I just, I just don't like to lose. So I, just kept, I just kept getting everything back. But anyway, um, uh, so, so there, there's my feet that, that night after tennis. I can hardly walk. There's, how do you say pus politely? Pus. Pus. It's an onomatopoeic word, isn't it? Pus. Because it's, it's seeping out everywhere. You know, and we didn't have any Band-Aids. So that morning we're going to church. I had uh, tissue paper and toilet paper <laughs> stuck on all the sticky, pussy ends of my toes. Right? And then I put my socks on gingerly. <sighs> I go to church. So I'm sitting on stage and Mike Hankins says, we're going to wash their feet. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then I see the water coming out and I go... You don't want to do this. This is bad. This is bad. So I can remember in front of thousands of people, like there's like one or two thousand people, these big church, I remember having to take my socks off thinking, I just hope a pussy tissue is not going to fly out and stick the past in the face. And I, and I tried to try and take it off. With it. Anyway, why are you getting all these details? I don't know. Anyway, they bless us. They washed our feet. And he did. He washed our feet. And, and, uh, and you know, what a, and so, and not only that, the, the little... <laughs> Winding up for not a great point, you know, really. All I was going to say is they blessed us so much, they took us shopping. This is the senior ministers, and they took us out for dinner, and they took us to Neiman Marcus, which was their upmarket department store. And I remember cruising around Neiman Marcus, and, Mike, and we're going into the men's department, and Vicky must have gone and bought Ruth something, but Mike said, um, come on, pick out a tie. I want to buy you a tie. And, uh, and I remember thinking... Okay, I've looked, because we're looking around and everything was like really expensive. Uh, and I felt awkward and uncomfortable. And I kind of said, oh, no, no, you, you don't have to. And of course, Mike just said, pick out a tie. I'm like, okay, okay, you know, because he's a real big, imposing guy. And it's like, you don't say no to a generous Texan who's, you know, kind of confident like that. And I remember choosing this uh, Versace silk tie that cost a bomb. Uh, and he bought it. For me, and I wore it quite a lot in Russia when we were over there for the following couple of years, and uh, and every time I wore it, I was so touched, and and I remembered the grace, the generosity, the undeserved blessing that we had had through that whole experience, and it was sort of symbolic of how we were blessed. We, you know, uh, we were in this church, meeting all these people, getting looked after. Uh, and uh, it was just a real God connection through Pastor Phil and Mike and all that, and just the way God allowed us to, to be blessed this way, beyond what we really deserve. And, uh, and that's exactly how Jesus clothes us, with grace, beyond what you deserve, you know? And so you don't sort of see something in the Scriptures that is like a garment 
that he offers you and think, oh, no, I, I don't deserve that. You just lean in and say, well, thank you, Lord. I'll just wear that Versace tie or suit or I'll just get that, I don't know, fancy girly fashion label that I was hoping Bethany would yell out at me, but she's, you know, making notes. All right. Taking on Facebook, I mean, taking good notes, preaching notes. Uh, but come on, this is how Jesus has clothed you with an anointing. He sent the Holy Spirit to live within you, to bring his character qualities through you. And you don't have to try to be better in your own strength. You just have to make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to grow in you. Yeah, And that's, and that's why, let me give you one last scripture. That's why we're told to be living sacrifices just to make ourselves a sacrifice that stays alive. So that's kind of a weird but wonderful concept that we die, but then Jesus said, that's all right, I'm not going to really kill you. I'll just give you a better life. So we're living sacrifices and we're transformed. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you may see this as being familiar. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what we're talking about. That by testing, look, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So can you see if you're being transformed like we're talking by putting on Christ, putting on the new man, allowing the Holy Spirit to change you, that's when you get to figure out what God's will is for your life. So it's a really good deal because you don't want to go through life not knowing what God's will is. You're wasting your time. You can do whatever you like and miss out, sadly, on what the best plan God had for you. I heard, uh, I read uh, John Piper talking about this the other day. He said this, Life outside God's will is one big ash heap of wasted weeks and years. There is no service to the king of ages, and so it is all meaningless in the end. Like a man who works hard planting trees and landscaped flower gardens in a new housing project and then watches them get bulldozed because he was just doing his own thing and never consulted the master plan for where they belonged. There is only futility in the end without relating all you do to God. Ouch! What a powerful analogy. What a bummer for that landscape gardener to do all that work and then go, well, oh, what's going on? And having the bulldozer coming. But conversely, how awesome if that guy is smart and sits down with the architect and sees the blueprints of the master plan and goes, oh, I'll build my garden over here. And then when the project's finished, he looks and sees all his trees and it's all working good. And that's the satisfaction we get when we listen to the Holy Spirit, when we put on the new man when we put on Christ, when we lean in and listen to what God's will is. And so with a new year coming, can I encourage you? The only New Year's resolution you need to make is to put on Christ, to put on the new self. You don't have to work on, I'm going to try and do this better and I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to change that habit. You just need to step into who God calls you to be. You need to hang out with him at the shopping mall, so to speak, and let Jesus take you into the shops where he can clothe you and he can anoint you and the Holy Spirit can work on you with the qualities that he wants to grow inside you. And so I, I want to tell you this morning that we need to let our identity 
and our sense of self-worth come from being a child of God and nothing else. And um, not from, you know, what you look like, what you own, what you drive, what you live in, what you do, because you can lose all that, but it doesn't have to change who you really are, because you can have talent, but that can wane in time. You can have good looks that can fade. You can have friends that sadly leave you. You can have money or material success that can be, can be lost, but you're still loved. You're still chosen. You're still blessed, anointed, empowered to be a child of God. That's where it starts, where it finishes. That's all we need. And so we're going to finish this morning um, with a song that sings about being a child of God. And I want you to sing this as a prayer and step into who God calls you to be. At the same time, as we sing, I'm just going to um, open up this altar area for anyone that wants prayer. If you're sick in your body, we'll pray for you. Uh, something that you've heard this morning that's touched your heart and you want to respond to. Most importantly, you want to pray a prayer of commitment to Christ. You can fill in one of the forms on your chair and pop it in the thing back there. Or if you like, you can come and say, yeah, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. And uh, any one of those things, if you want prayer, come forward as we sing. And then we'll close after this song and then meet and mingle, have a coffee uh, in the courtyard. Come on. We love you, Lord. We're a child of God. This is what this song sings about. I want you to, as I said, prayerfully sing it into your life and get that truth sorted in your heart. Thank you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.